This is The Antidote on 92.7 FM. Come and save me, Lord, from infidelity. 
give you all of me Lord, take everything I give you all of me This is The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. For those who missed last week's episode of The Antidote, this is the final segment of a two-part look into the music of Delta Blues-infused rock of Shaw Michelle. This guy's music has really been <laughs> near the top of my favorites list for a couple of years now, and now it's my chance to share it with you. Sean spoke with The Antidote a couple of weeks back to talk about his music, his faith, and his motivation to perform. So we're going to head off to hear some more of his music in our conversation with him. And John, I hope you enjoy this title track from Sean Michelle's I Know I've Been Converted album. Well, I know I've been converted. Yes, I know I be converted to you, oh, to you. God knows I made a change. I shame to call my Jesus name. As well, I know I be converted to you, Lord.
time I ever heard your music was on your 2010 album, I Know I've Been Converted. You did a number of classic Christian songs like Victory and Jesus and Amazing Grace. I don't know if you would call them covers, but anyway, why did you feel that these songs needed a retelling? Uh, well, first off, that, that whole album was kind of spawned from a moment in my life where I actually went back, originally started playing blues because before then I was, you know, doing more of this like indie soulful rock and roll thing. I, I'd been torn for like four years with a group of guys. I was writing these songs, man, that weren't really me. They might have been me lyrically, but like song structure wise and just music, it wasn't who I was. And I knew that, but I didn't know it completely. I didn't know how to express it, but I knew something was missing. And those guys played with me for you know a solid four years or so and then they they all quit and they or they had different things that they had to do and my whole band was dismantled man and right about the time i was going to lose my job and i lost a lot of other things and it was a really dark period in, in my life and right around that time my manager was talking about this idea of finding these old hymns that we loved and that we grew up singing but doing them this old blues way or gospel way and I thought it was a great idea at first, but at this point in my life, first of all, I was super depressed, but also I didn't really know how to play the blues, you know? And I kind of lost touch with, you know, singing black or sounding black as far as the music was concerned. And so I told my manager, I was like, I I'm not going to be able to do any kind of record like that. There's no way. I'm just not feeling it. And plus, I don't even know how to play the, the stuff anyway. And right about that time, you know, I was selling these records door to door out in the cold in January and February, freezing cold rain. And I was just miserable, man. But some, you know, they say you got to have the blues before you can, you know, really play the blues or whatever. And so that might have been my time where I was starting to have the blues. And I was reunited with a, with a younger kid that was in this church youth group that I was working with. And he was a young kid that could play really well he would eat drink and sleep the blues man like as far as the music was concerned so he started giving me a bunch of old blues music to listen to and that's when it started getting back into my head and getting back into my heart and then it started dictating the way i played music and that began the journey of getting to where we're at now with the music um i slowly began to take on that sound and i know i've been converted was the record that was the first uh, kind of transformation of that or the first uh, manifestation of that if you will because it's still kind of white in my book you know if I go back and listen to it I'm like yeah yeah I didn't really I wasn't really getting into my true voice yet but you know we were doing a lot of the, the old hymns and that was the basis of that record was doing all these old hymns but redoing them the way that we started feeling like we had to play them you know so that's that's kind of how that album was formed Like me, I 
was hunting out some more of your music online, and I found you did this one song called Raise the Dead for something called The Christian Zombie Killer's Handbook. you got to <laughs> fill me in. What's that all about? Uh, yeah, that was a, a book that a, a pastor in Little Rock, Arkansas, wrote, and uh, he had the brilliant idea of doing a soundtrack with the book. So whenever you bought the book, you could go to the website and you know digitally download uh, this record, this compilation record of a bunch of different artists. And so he asked us to be part of that compilation, and, and we thought it was a really cool idea. And so we wanted to write a song that kind of was in line with what he was trying to uh, express within the book. We didn't want to just do an old song that we'd been doing for a while, so we wrote a song for that project in particularly. And it was an old riff that I'd had a couple years before that that I liked a lot, but I never really did anything with it. And so I felt like that was the best time to do something with it. So we wrote a song around it. Do you meet very many zombies in your church, Sean? (laughs) Um, I can't answer that question. (laughs) I can't answer it truthfully. I can't answer either. Otherwise, we'd both get into trouble. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that was a fun song to do. And honestly, that song, we did that song after I know I've been converted. And that song, you can kind of see the progression of, of kind of where we were going. And, you know, artists, they're constantly morphing anyway. And especially from like 2010 when we did I Know I've Been Converted to that Raise the Dead song and then to Back to the Delta, which was all acoustic, then to Electric Delta a year later, which was, you know, basically songs from back to the delta done electrically with some new ones that we wrote that's there's a whole other story there but um i guess in four years we've done a lot of drastic uh not extremely drastic but we've done some some changing and i think that's just part of the process of finding your sound and finding who you are at the time and and trying to lay that down on, on an album
the antidote on trent radio 92.7 i thought it was really interesting doing electric delta because that was of course your latest album yeah but as you say it carried on from back to the delta even re-recording some of those tracks but you really amped up the sound yeah yeah so what happened with us was you know we did back to the delta the acoustic thing but you know we were a three-piece electric band and so you know, we toured for eight months on these songs that we had written acoustically. So naturally, they turned into rock and roll, you know, blues rock and roll, which is what happened in history. You know, um, you had a lot of these old black guys that were doing the blues and moving to Chicago or wherever. And, uh, you know, the electric guitar was invented. And then you gave these blues guys electric guitars and then bam, you know, out came rock and roll. Uh and so we kind of got to experience that within our own lives through writing back to the Delta and touring on that for, you know, a year. And these songs begin to morph. And so we took like five songs that we really liked and that translated well from back to the Delta to electric three-piece band. And we re-recorded them. But then we also wrote six new songs as well. And that's what compiles electric Delta. So it's just a natural progression and a flow. So usually the best way to listen to Electric Delta is listen to Back to the Delta first to try to get in the full journey of what we were experiencing, you know.
get some of your thoughts on some of the songs found on Electric Delta. One song that just really threw me was the opening lyrics on Hosea Blues. And I can't do the accent, so you're just going to have to bear with me. My baby girl ain't nothing but a fiery hoe, wandering places she never should go, opens her legs to them men's so she won't go pole. Maybe she don't know is them men's could never save her soul. But maybe you should explain the intention of those lyrics. Uh, it's all about sex. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, man. Hosea Blues, man, like the song, the title kind of gives away a little clue about what the song's about. And if anybody knows anything about much about the Bible or anything like that, there's a book in the Bible called Hosea. And uh, I'd been reading that book at the time when I started writing that song and I'd read it before, but it had been a long time. Uh, when I got into the book again, man, it was just really like heart-wrenching, man. And it's a pretty dirty book, honestly. It's, it's, it's one of the Bible's rated R book, you know. And so, you know, I felt like it was a perfect uh, blues story, man. You know, just betrayal and adultery. And that's what that whole book is about. But ultimately, it's, it's about our betrayal and, and adultery against God. And who is our ultimate lover and so anyway i wanted to try to capture that in a song and display that you know but not necessarily like god talking to israel but the way hosea puts it inside the book which is a man and a woman and so you know it sounds like a broken-hearted love song between a man who whose woman keeps stepping out on him and and hoeing around town but honestly it, it's god telling the human race this is what you've been doing to me uh but i'm gonna do whatever it takes to get you back and so i mean a lot of the imagery a lot of the phrases that are in that song are taken directly from the book so in a lot of ways i'm just quoting scripture you know and you know so some people that might be christians or whoever you know they might be oh that's a little risque you know i'm like well <laughs> i'm just quoting them i'm quoting the bible you're gonna <laughs> just take it up with the bible if you have problems with it you know what i'm saying <laughs> But yeah, that's where we were coming from with that song. Just the ultimate blues feel, you know, the old school blues feel of betrayal and adultery and, and how that made the man feel and what he intended to do about it. Yeah, this is Sean Michelle and you're checking out The Antidote on Trent Radio.
song I really enjoyed, River Song, but it's very different stylistically from the rest of Electric Delta, yeah. or at least it was in my eyes. Do you want to describe it? Um, the River Song was actually one of my favorite uh, songs to write and to record on the record. You know, it is stylistically a bit different, and you know, I suppose it's because it's a ballad, you know, and uh, when you're telling a story, you want to tell it slow. And you want to make sure that you can really paint a realistic picture for the people you're trying to tell the story to. And you want to actually take them there. And so I think that's why stylistically it was a lot different, you know. Um, I mean, I sing on that song, but it's more like talking and singing, you know. And I wanted it to have that feel of just like, you know, everybody in the living room or around a campfire, you know, everybody's just in a circle and, and one person's telling their experience uh, of what they had about 
when they went down to the river and, and uh, their life was changed. And, you know, there's a lot of people that I feel like can relate to that song every time we play it live. Uh, you know, I just, it's one of the only songs we play live that I see people in the audience, even if they've never heard the song before, they'll start singing the chorus by the second time I get to the chorus. You know, we wanted to accomplish that because we wanted to make it simple and boil it down in a way to where people can really grasp the story we're trying to convey and the picture we're trying to paint with the words we use, the imagery that we uh, captured in the verses, and the way we kind of paint the picture musically uh, with the tones we use, uh, like you said, the speed and the way that we deliver it. And that's why I use a lot of tremolo on the guitar and stuff is to try to give that watery feel and just really put people back in that place because a lot of people were baptized at a river or or they had family members that were and so you know i wanted to make it feel old-fashioned and i wanted it to feel old-time and just taking people back and putting them in that experience as much as we could so that's kind of why we went the direction we went with that song
take it over their hands, softly place it over their mouth. As they gently take them all down under the water like he was taking them all down to the grave. really think that you should be shot for recording unbelievable 
because that's one of the catchiest songs I have ever heard. I mean, you play it once and it just keeps running through your head all day long. But it seems like you set it up to be almost a traditional single, but are you ever concerned about actually producing singles? Uh, I mean, yeah, if I can write a hit song, that'd be freaking rad. <laughs> I mean, I ain't gonna lie, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, and I'm not gonna try to sound like, you know, I'm too artsy fartsy to try to write a single. I think, I mean, heck, all the great songs that we love in the past in rock and roll, they were all singles. You know, that's all they used to write were singles. They didn't even write albums until, you know, the late 60s, uh, early 70s. But up until that point, it was all singles. And so, yeah, I mean, Unbelievable was a riff that uh, two guys in my band, uh, Seth and Bradley, uh, my drummer and bass player, they were the ones who kind of wrote that riff. And then they showed it to me, and I was like, dude, that's pretty killer. And, uh, you know, then I kind of took it, and we kind of morphed it a little bit to kind of fit the way I would sing to it. And then uh, I just had that hook, unbelievable, it's unbelievable, it's unbelievable, in my head. So, you know, Jay, my good friend, uh, he and I, a lot of times we write lyrics together. And so I was like, dude, I'm keeping that, I'm keeping that hook. So we need, we need to base something off of that phrase, it's unbelievable. You know, sometimes a song will just come to you, you know? and the whole song music words everything in like 10 15 minutes and that's pretty rare in my case but i've had that happen several times other times like i'll write a riff and uh we kind of base it off that riff and then we write the music together as a band and then i'll work on the lyrics later so unbelievable we had the music and i had this hook from jamming it with my band but then i was like i don't really know what's unbelievable You know, I know it's unbelievable, but I don't know what is unbelievable. And so, you know, you have a riff that you really like, but you can't do anything with it because, you know, you're like, well, crap, I can't play this in front of people or show it to them because I don't really have any lyrical content. And to me, lyrical content, it's an important part of the song. So anyway, it was crazy because we had this one hook and then probably a couple months later, at the same time, I was telling Jay, I was like, dude, I, th- I think the song needs to be about this. And he was like, you got to be kidding me. I was thinking that same thing. And then we just started unpacking it. And as we were unpacking it together, I was like, holy crap, we did have the exact same line of thought with that song. And so then the lyrics just came easily after that uh, because we knew where we wanted to go and what we wanted to express to people. You know, that's why that song is so catchy because, you know, it's got a good hook, it's got a good riff. And, you know, if I could write every song that catchy, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but uh, I'd probably be in L.A. or some or somewhere in New York if I if I could write a catchy hook that uh, that often. But driving around in your stretch limo or your just your <laughs> big brand new truck? Yeah, probably a big brand new truck, <laughs> or actually big brand new old vintage truck just redone. So. <laughs>
you've discovered what's unbelievable about Sean Michel and that's that incredibly catchy song unbelievable well I hope you've enjoyed our look into this really talented guy you've been tuned into the antidote on Peterborough's programmer driven radio station Trent Radio at 92.7 FM next week will be creepy and interesting as the antidote heads into the holidays meaning Halloween and we're going to have for a night of zombie, monster, vampire, and creepy songs. But yeah, all from a Christian perspective. So trust me, it's going to be strange. <laughs> but for tonight, let's finish our talk with Sean Michel. And closed with the song, He Is The One. And we'll see you next Wednesday at 9. So what does the future hold for Sean Michel? Have you got any projects in the works? Yeah, actually, uh, we just finished recording a few months ago, honestly, um, a new EP that we're going to try to release. And we're not really sure exactly when we're going to release it. It's done and everything. It's just uh, we're waiting on the right time to put it out there. But, uh, yeah, it's a six-song EP, and it's called uh, The Rising In EP. So, yeah, it's a little bit more on the rock and roll side because of the content and because of what we were trying to say with Rise Again. Um, so it's a little more in your face, even a little more rock and roll than Electric Delta. So it's a little louder. The guitar is a little rowdier. So we're excited about putting it out. Now tell me that you're not going to put this one out only on vinyl. <laughs> it'll be vinyl and CD. I mean, it'll be like Electric Delta. You know, we did Electric Delta on vinyl and CD. And so this one will be the same way. Uh, and we got this EP done, and then we, we still have enough material for like two more albums <laughs> wow. so i mean or, or like bits and pieces you know and definitely concepts uh 
Yeah, so there, there's a lot on the table. It's just a matter of getting it done and money. <laughs> oh, I hear you. Okay, so Sean, I'm going to get real personal with you. I was describing your music to a friend a little while ago, and then I mentioned that you probably have more hair in your beard than my entire body has ever had. <laughs> so you got to tell me, how long is it, and when did you start growing it? A uh, beard, I started growing it like in college back in about 99, 2000. And I grew it out for about a year and a half in college, and then I shaved it all off. Uh, my beard and my hair and everything I look like a skinhead uh, and that was in like January of 2002 and so about February the next month I just started growing everything back so I've had, I haven't had a clean shaven face since January of 2002 it's probably been about four years since I've really messed with it and is it down to your belt buckle yet? Uh, it reaches down to my, to my belly button and uh, <laughs> but uh yeah, I think that's about as far as it'll, it'll grow. Anyway, I think I've reached my, my terminal growth. The Antidote has been here with Sean Michelle of Little Rock, Arkansas. Sean, it's been great speaking with you, and thanks for meeting with The Antidote. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it, man. Cut up by his own